Welcome to Dish the Dirt, a light-hearted and fun podcast about Australian flower growers, their stories, knowledge and insights into the industry. I'm your host Rebecca and each week I speak to a different farmer and get them to dish the dirt. Dish the Dirt acknowledges the traditional custodians of the land on which we work and live and recognise their continuing connection to land, water and community. We pay respect to elders past, present and emerging. Hi and welcome to episode 9 of season 5 of Dish the Dirt. Uh, It's wonderful to have you along. I'm sorry that this has become a bit sporadic over the last few weeks. Um, Life really does sometimes get busy and because this isn't my full-time job or um, anything sometimes I do have to put it to the side it doesn't mean that I don't love it just as much it just means that other things kind of take over but here I am and we're at episode nine and we have the wonderful Rachel from Collector Cottage speaking to me today Rachel began teaching languages in 1994 she was a school teacher for 20 years before changing career paths Rachel started two businesses between 2013 and 18 and met her husband Dean in 2018. Rachel and Dean purchased their 2,000 square metre block and relocated a 1920s Federation home to commence a new venture, a microflower farm and a couple's retreat at their property in Collector, New South Wales, just 30 minutes north of Canberra. Um, I'll let Rachel tell you the rest of their story as she does on the podcast and we talk about her wonderful dahlias and roses. It was a pleasure to speak to you, Rachel, and um, I hope that you get something out of this podcast. Uh, Yeah, let's get into it. All right. So let's try this again and hopefully it doesn't cut out but I have absolutely no idea honestly sometimes it's amazing and then other times like I said it just drops out all the time so yeah yeah no that's fine uh, um I will right. make sure that um yeah that I I might have let it go to sleep I don't know yeah <laughs> gotta yeah. be mo- gotta be moving it all right yeah, it's so funny um Okay, well, would you like to tell me how you got onto your property and whereabouts you're situated, um, yeah, and your story? Yeah, so Dean and I were living in Kayleen um, in Canberra and we had been there for about eight years and it got to uh, a point where after renting for a long time, we wanted to call a place home and we wanted to grow our own food. And at the time I wasn't, I wasn't actually, I always loved flowers, but I wasn't really set on growing them. It hadn't crossed my mind. And uh, we came up to collect that and it was just um, a block of land in town and it was, it's half an acre. Mm. And uh we we had a look at some houses and we do things a little bit different out of the box and we got a, an old um, Federation home. We went over to Melbourne and we, it was the 13th house that we had looked at. Oh, wow. And we, 
we put it in the back. So we got it cut in half and put it in the back of a truck. And with it came also a little cottage that we Airbnb. And oh my so, goodness! Amazing. Yeah. So the the house was the bare bones, and it's it's really been a labor of love putting it together. And once that was um, uh, established, we we looked into what we were going to grow and and um, get really savvy about where we'd put things. And the first year, I I bought a couple of uh, dahlia tubers, and they just grew beautifully because the the land had been um, just pastured with cows, and there was nothing else had been here. Yeah. So, uh, so I thought, great, I've got this. I know exactly what I'm doing. <laughs> of course, <laughs> things didn't turn out that way. The the following seasons, uh, you know, we we quickly learned that we needed to bring in uh, ladybirds. And, you know, we had, we had aphids and, um, you know, trying to figure out what would work uh, being chemical-free. Yeah. So um, as, as time went by, I, I also expanded the, the dahlia patch and um, I also grow roses, so grow roses and dahlias. And the next couple of seasons it was, it was tricky with, with the roses. The drought, they did really well when we had the drought. Yeah. Um, but then we've uh, this season having so much water, even now after this, so this is the third year, I've realised it's so important to actually um, situate them where, where they grow best. So yeah. uh, they're, they're growing, I mean, they're being fed and everything, but I've realised that, that I've had to move them. So this is coming, going back um, winter. I've moved yeah. them across and they're growing really well. So, <laughs> um, yeah previous season not so much and so I've got about 400 just over 400 roses and 850 dahlias okay yeah wonderful that's amazing so your roses where were they growing on your farm that wasn't doing so well was it um like a certain type of soil that you had there or was it sun what was their patch like before and what is it like now yeah improve it yeah yeah so so the dahlias, um, have, I've grown them in the same area as far as the dahlias. The roses, I'm, I, I found it, that they just didn't like the fact that it was way too wet. So yeah. they, they really don't like, you know, I, I like to say that they don't like wet feet. So moving them further um, to higher ground because we've got different levels as well, mm. um, they, they seem to really thrive um and i do have a a, the soil that i have is quite um high in clay so um it it just um there was quite a bit of a drainage issue so we've changed we've actually slowly tried to also change the soil and improve it and um bringing in you know we've tried to um, make our own compost but also bringing bringing some compost in um, lucky enough to be able to access that um, uh, from nearby, so yeah, yeah, that that's really improved. It also having having a friend with alpacas and um, and using the poo and yeah, it's the manure has just been great. So yeah. yeah, yeah, great. So what made you decide when you moved to this property to start a flower farm? So you got the two 
tubers and did you just fall in love with it from then or have you always been a gardener in your previous houses? No, actually, I, I haven't been a gardener. Uh, okay. I, I suppose um, seeing my, my parents because my mum is definitely a gardener and seeing mm. my grandmother's home years before, that that's always, you know, established a, a love for flowers, uh, especially, you know, being a young girl and seeing my grandmother have roses in her yeah. house. Um, it, it's, it's really come, I think, later for me later um and just uh look I I bought those couple of tubers and and really I really fell in love with with um with the dahlias in particular and then um it it also sort of look it's it's come about um from also like going to places like uh you know I remember visiting the Murray Bateman field show just shortly after that mm. and and you know bumping into um Gerard and Olin um from Highland Dahlias and uh yeah did they they took the time to explain things and you know since then built um more of a rapport and and uh, have him mentor me and uh, yeah, in, in how to grow, how to grow them well. So yeah, yeah, incredible. Yeah, and then you decided to um, become a florist as well. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So okay. so that I think just coming out uh, to collect that um, really sort of things just flourished. Um, I had done, um, I had done a course at CIT and. Uh, and I thought, even though along the way I was I was I was making some amazing arrangements, uh, mm. I, I I kept on going back to the land part and the growing part. And I always remember used to ask and say, so "How do I grow this? You know, what's yeah. the best way of growing this?" And so, um, I do love love the fact that I can uh, arrange something with it, but the the part of growing it and actually, you know. Um, figuring out why something isn't growing and and persisting, there's something about that that challenge that I really really enjoy. Yeah. And what have you learnt? Do you think um, in the past three years of having your property, what's probably been your biggest learning curve? Would you say? Wow. Uh, that. I need you need when you're growing something you, you can't just think okay I'm going to grow one thing and it's definitely going to grow yeah <laughs> I'll have no issues <laughs> I think mean, I think that was the first part that was a real eye opener I just thought okay I had so much success this first year surely the next is going to be the same and it it, it taught me that yeah I to grow more than one thing is fabulous. I generally like to think that you've got to grow at least five of something if it's perennials um, and then with seeds, you know, even this year, like trying to to grow certain things, um, you, you wonder sometimes, okay, has it been because we didn't have enough sun this season or, you know, things like Queen, Queen Anne's Lace, that, that grew fine. Um, yeah. But then the status that I grew um not so much so yeah it's it's um I I think one of the key things is also looking at what you can grow where you are so 
I try, I have tried to grow kangaroo paw, I think now about three times. Yeah. <laughs> and, and unfortunately it just, you know, even if I've, I've covered it and I've tried to create a microclimate, climate, it just doesn't seem to, it just doesn't seem to grow here. You know, we've got way too much frost and yeah. So I think that's been a really, really important learning curve to just really stick to the things that will grow well. Um, yeah. 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 Great. And how did how do you think you learnt that? So you decided to predominantly grow dahlias and roses. Was it just because those really took off where you are, and you were like, okay, these are my two my two things that I'm going to stick with. Is that what happened? I think it's been a bit of a mix. Uh, mm. So yes, I, I I fell in love with the dahlias, and I've always yes. liked roses. Um, and no, I thought, okay, well, they do grow well here, so fantastic. Yeah. Um, with some of the annuals, I think it's it's it can be quite tricky. Um, you know, like the example I just gave you, and then other things. Um, it, it's so important to get the soil right. So. You know, I, I believe that I've still got a little way to go with, with improving the soil even more. Um, and even though we've had it tested, uh, it, yeah, yeah. It, it's, it's a lot about that. Yeah. So going back to your, like you started three, sort of three years ago and you've built up your dahlia collection and planted 400 roses, how did you know where to buy sort of your tubers or did you just collect from other people um your roses did you go through wholesale it must have been quite a daunting thing to kind of decide that this is what you were going to do and then just have had no I guess previous experience how did you gain your knowledge Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um so we moved out in 2018 and yeah. by the time 2019 came along, I did the florette course. Okay, yeah. But I did realise that so many of the things that um, that were taught there, it just, it's it's not necessarily that they've got an ideal climate to grow and that that wasn't going to work for me. So yeah. I, I think the, a, a lot has been through trial and error. Mm. Um, I... I think I bought just about from everywhere I could as far as tubers are concerned for the dahlias. Yeah. Uh, and and that in itself has been a, a matter of now sort of looking, okay, I've got so many varieties. Um, what's, what's really prolific? What isn't? And um, what do I really like? Because what you're seeing, you know, just from purchasing to actually growing it, you, mm. you you get a feel for it, it can be quite different um, yeah. to just seeing that photograph. Um, and, you know, some, some dahlias, and I'm trialling every single time, something different, something different. I keep some of my favourites. Um, I'm now at a point where I'm actually narrowing it down a little bit more. Um, yeah. But I think that's, yeah, through trial and error really. Uh, as far as the roses are concerned, um, I... The main supplier that I purchase from is uh, Trelaw. Uh, yeah. I think I think they they they're really fabulous as far as um, what they supply, uh, yeah. and 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 with those as well, you know, the first couple of roses I purchased, oh goodness, um, 
I, you know, just even differentiating between something that is a cut flower for for a rose and something that isn't. Mm. Uh, sometimes, um, and I, I look, I bought purchase from other companies as well, and and realizing that, oh, hold on a minute, you know, this is it says that it might be a cut flower, but it isn't necessarily. Yeah. Um, okay. And so, yeah, re- really looking at what what would work for me and for the style of, of flowers that, you know, I want to use and, and um, yeah, yeah, potentially the, the clients as well. So, uh, yeah, yeah, so the, 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 the roses themselves I've, I've got, I like to sort of categorise two types, some that are definitely for, for weddings um, and in that range I... I really like the David Austins, and so and I've got a couple of favourites, um, and then and then the cut flowers as well. So, for example, the the David Austins is a beautiful called uh, flower called uh, Olivia Olivia Rose. Um, oh, I haven't heard of this. You haven't? Yeah. No. She's she's really pretty. She's pink. Um, she's just really feminine (laughs) and, um, oh, look, there's, there's a couple of favorite that I have, um, Wallerton's another one that's, that's really beautiful. Um, and then the, the, the flower that I find that is absolutely a, a stunner is the children's rose. It's a candy pink and it's got a nice firm stem, very few, um, thorns, and, oh, amazing! Yeah, and and um, even when it rains, because I find that you know, as you know, it it, it rains. It just they do. You're not going to have the quality of, of rose that you would have had the day before. So, yeah. But that one seems to just really stand, uh, withstand everything. Yeah, yeah. That look. I've just googled it. it looks really beautiful. Is yeah. it more of a standard rose rather than? Uh, what does it say? Hybrid tea rose. It's a hybrid tea, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, beautiful. Um, so now that you're growing all of your own flowers, how are you selling them? So I've got um I've got a, a bit of a uh I, I guess not just one uh one type of clientele. I've I I think I've been networking. So I've had previous businesses before and I've been networking for around seven years now so I think building the clientele isn't something that you you know you, you build immediately I think it, it takes time yeah. um and I and that has really favored me because I've I've got um a group that uh, I always um take flowers to and they help they've always got a a guest speaker and so um the guest speaker gets to they actually purchase my flowers and they get to um, have that as a gift so it's it's really nice to be able to have that constant um selling through them and that's yeah, that's in camera and then yeah. I also have I've built uh, some relationships with some florists which is uh is really good uh and that's really only just happened this year okay uh, yeah yeah because it, it's taken me a while to really find my niche and know and say okay this is exactly what I want to do or this is not what I want to do um, yeah and and then the other is is uh DIY weddings so selling to um 
to brides and that's and that's purely been through Instagram and Facebook and yeah, and of recent as well um, being part of um, the Flower Farm Collective and Grown Not Flown. Uh, it's yeah, that's that's really powerful as well. Yeah, wonderful. And when you're selling, so when you say you've just um, found some florists and decided sort of what your niche is, how do you sell to those florists? Do you just, do they order bunches through you or are you just selling buckets? How do you sell your flowers? Yeah, yeah. So um, what, I've, what I've done is, um, so they've, they've told me that in, in most cases it's either weekly or it's fortnightly. They order um, so a big quantity, so at a wholesale price. Yeah. And... Um, and so I take buckets in um, and, yeah, they, they're very, very much of, you know, what's they know that the way I grow is seasonally and so yeah. what they're going to get is what's in season and not necessarily, well, it has to be, you know, I need to have, you know, a pink dahlia. It needs to be, you know, a peach. It's, they'll take what I have. And yeah, they just great. know that they're going to get a quality, you know, fresh bloom. So, yeah. yeah. Yeah, incredible. And then for your DIY weddings, do you charge those out at a wholesale rate or do you charge them out at a retail? Price? So my buckets are also at wholesale. Yeah, okay. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. so at, at the end of the day, you know, they it's it's they get their, for example, the roses and they'll have to dethorn them and um and clean them up yeah yeah wonderful and are you enjoying selling that way has it been working for you um doing you know going down these routes yeah look I've I've kind of jabbed into also doing the you know the flowers for some some brides and I I think having the 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 variety is is fun, um, yeah. and I, what I I think for me what I I do love is the fact that I can, um, I can do, I can do it in smaller quantities because yeah. you know at, ha, being able to have just the you know the half acre uh, or quarter of acre growing space allows for me to be able to do a couple of different things and. Um, and you know, not be overstressed and still enjoy life. So yeah, wonderful. And um, just going back to the farming again quickly, because I noticed you have a polytunnel. So yes, are you growing? Um, what do you do? You just mainly grow outdoors, and then what are you growing in your polytunnel? Is that dahlias that you put in there, or? Yes, yeah, so the yeah, the polytunnel has been um, <laughs> it's interesting because um, I've always grown dahlias in there, yeah, but it's okay. generally it, it's a a challenge sometimes as to okay, my husband says, oh, can I have just like a little bit so I can grow some <laughs> some tomatoes in there, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and and we're in the process of actually uh, setting up a. A walled garden so that's oh, going wow. to be yeah that's going to be really interesting because at the moment what what I'm growing in there is dahlias and it's extending by a couple of weeks um the season but okay, interesting yeah. yeah so but interesting that this year we've you know having um a lot less 
you know, heat that we've had, mm. um, uh, it, it, it hasn't actually changed things too much. I think initially it did and, yeah, it's, it's yeah, yeah, it's interesting. Mm. Because you tend to get, do you get quite hard frosts where you are? Yeah, quite yeah. Cold? yeah, definitely. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's it's yeah. pretty much the same as what you know Canberra would be, yeah. um, just being outside of Canberra. So yeah, okay, yeah, wonderful. And being you said you're a part of the Flower Farm Collective and Grown Not Flown, how has that helped your business and sort of helped with knowing what's happening in the industry? Um. Look, I, th- I think um, being part of a group, um, definitely you feel supported mm-hmm. and and also people, I think, get to know the way that you, you, that you grow things and, um, you know, supporting the fact that you're a local business and that um, your flowers come from um, as close as possible um, I think people are starting to change the, the mentality, the way that they they do business and the way that they, you know, uh, want to be able to support farmers. So yeah. be, having having a group and being part of that, feels, you feel supported, yeah. Yeah, fabulous. And how did you find out about them? Was it just through Instagram or other farmers telling you? Um like yeah, were, yeah. yeah. I, I think the power of Instagram is is is, um, is fantastic, and that's yeah. that's definitely how I found them. Um, yeah, and you know, even I, I think for me, anything that I can see that will support us as a as a collective, as a as a group, is just is is really important, and I. I'll I'll support them, you know, and because yeah. I, at the end of the day, it's it's supporting each other, and that yeah. that also helps me. And it, yeah, yeah, fabulous. What do you think the biggest thing is that you've learnt about the forestry industry and farming since you've become part of it? Oh, that's a big question. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I think just because maybe you've got the perspective of you know you've had a whole different career. And then coming into this, um, maybe it was a bit eye-opening for a few reasons. I don't know, or you know, there were things maybe you didn't know before that now you do. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, look, I, I think some things have been a real. They, they have been an eye-opener eye of seeing a transition from, mm. um, you know, the old way of, of farming, for example, yeah. uh, and, um, you know, using chemicals and, um, and then, you know, I, th- I think we're definitely on the way to, to making changes and um, I think there's also a, a, a change in the way I initially saw things and I thought, well, I wonder how this is done and how's that done and where can I get this information and um, trying to, you know, hungry to learn more. And mm. I, I didn't quite when I, you know, this is back in 2018, I couldn't really find that. Okay. Um, and along the way definitely I've seen changes and uh, people prepared to 
be very generous with their knowledge and uh, and so I think things are changing and and that's definitely a good thing um, yeah and as far as you know um, growing chemical free flowers I, I, I think that's it's it's changing as well I, I think people are, are a lot more um, have learned a lot more about the way that they should be growing things and and uh, what's best for the environment and yeah 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 fabulous and is there anything that you would like to see happen in the future for the flower industry or is there anything that you would change if you could is there anything that I'd change hmm. Hmm. It doesn't have to be. <laughs> I, I'm just wondering. I, I think. Look, um, I I don't think I, if if there's anything that I change as, as such. Um, mm. I, I think things evolve when when they're meant to slowly. Uh, oh, yeah. I I don't know if if I'd change things. Um. I, I think I'd love to see the changes that are happening maybe uh, happen a little bit faster <laughs> so, yeah. so that we'd all catch up. But, yeah. Yeah, lovely. And where do you see your farm in five years' time? What would you like to be doing, do you think? So I'd, I'd like to get to the point where I am, am growing, uh, probably increasing a little bit, the amount of, of roses and dahlias, but mm. more than anything, probably getting better at it. And, and by that I mean actually, um, you know, playing with the seasons and, you know, there's always going to be, there'll be, you know, things that I'm learning. But I'd like to get to the point where I've got more tubers for sale and, um, and you know, get, getting more savvy with the way that um, I'm using the land because at the moment we're, you know, we're, we're building certain um, boxed areas to grow things and, um, and maximising, you know, that last little space. So, yeah, yeah. Like, I'd like to get to the point where I could do that. Yeah, wonderful. And what is your biggest piece of advice for people um, coming into the industry, maybe somebody who's wanting to start out as a flower farmer or even a florist? in your area? Uh, look, I would say don't, don't be, well, there's, there's a couple of things there. Don't, don't be afraid to, to try new things. Goodness, mm. I remember having um, my florette seeds that first, first year and I didn't grow a thing because I was too afraid that, <laughs> that I'd, I had these precious seeds that had come from overseas and that, uh, I, you know, I, I, I would just ruin them and realising the following season that you can, you know, you can certainly grow and, and you know, you start, not, not all of them will come up and, and it's not necessarily, that's the other thing, it's not necessarily you that's making the mistake. The mistakes are fantastic. Make five, make 10, make 15, 20. Yeah. it's fabulous because it means that you're learning and you know not not everything will will grow and you know going back to not necessarily may may grow somewhere else but not in your area yeah so that's really important um and and to reach out actually because 
and not to be afraid to reach out and and ask for help and um you know one door doesn't open the other one will so uh i'm I'm a big believer in that i've I've just for this this is the first time that i've actually taken on um someone else to help me and um and i'm so glad that i have you know uh but she actually reached out to me and and rang me up and you know out of the blue and uh, and it seems to be working so it's it's great you know we we've drilled and she's got heaps of questions and um and is definitely learning so yeah fabulous yeah yeah and what is your favorite tool on the farm Mm, you know what it is I don't know if we'd call it a tool but it is um my uh my hat which has some netting on it uh, because I find that without it uh depending on on the time of day it could be either a bee because we do have bees um we've got five hives oh yeah or wow. it could, it could be it could be um, a fly, and it's just it's great to be able to have that on and not worry that you know you um, you're going to end up with flies all over you, yeah, <laughs> on your face anyway. So I I really like that. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Good. And do you have a favorite flower? Is there any of your roses that you're growing that your grandmother grew? Maybe. Oh. Uh, it, it would be hard to say because my okay. – so I spent three years overseas in Chile and um, and so the roses that she was growing, I don't – I wouldn't even know the name in, oh. as far as the translation or even try yeah. to because it was, you know, so many, many years ago. Yeah. Very young. But if I had to choose like a, a favourite um, – oh, I've got so many favourites. I've got – Janeki and you know that's a beautiful white one uh, that's great for wedding work and I, I do love the children's rose that's that's one of my favorites um, yeah I don't know I mean I can always add to those <laughs> it, it's hard to say like Tallulah is another beautiful beautiful rose um, it's a it's a stronger pink yeah. and yeah yeah yeah, I love great. them all. <laughs> yeah. And if you had to leave your farm quickly, what three things would you take with you? Farming related things would you take with you? I think I'd have to take some of my favorite tubers. Mm-hmm. And Oh gosh! See now you you asked me what which ones are my favorite. Uh, they're all they're all they're all so important. Um, I would take I would take some of those um, seeds that I have, like from the floret seeds that are just uh, you know I don't think you can if you can get any these days and get, it's yeah I've got some. Oh, of you've those. still got them. You've still I've, got those. I've still got some of those. So, oh good. Um, and yeah, I think they they would be my my go to things because at the end of the day, you know, if you if you've got your tubers and you've got your seeds, you can always replant, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And who has inspired you the most on this flower farming journey? Well, my inspiration 
and and for so many it's been florette which you know initially has for knowledge but i think my inspiration has come from from australian farmers and um and i think just people that have have done it really well um i i visited um acre of roses uh, a while back mm. um and sandy from acre of roses uh she she is amazing um, yeah and her husband rob they they've got a beautiful um a, a beautiful um acre of just you know beautiful roses uh and uh also you know farmers uh at the moment um like um eddie for example eddie howard who um, has a, a flower farm in goulburn and his mm. his family has have you know been growing flowers for his generation Mm. Eddie Howard and um, Olin and Jared Oldfield, you know, they're, they're Australian farmers. Um, they've been growing flowers for a long time and um, there's definitely information, so much information, valuable information that I've learned from them. Mm. Yeah, wonderful. And is there anything else that you would like to add about your flower farm or let anyone know that, um, is listening anything I haven't asked you yeah yeah so I uh, I also had a little um, uh, a, a little flower stall built out the front from old oh, corrugated lovely. old corrugated uh, um, sheetings that we had so Dean's built me that um, and yeah in in the process of have that have my flowers out there um for people to purchase and you know I also have um we also have a little shop so for anybody that that is local and that wants to support local um collector fresh is the little shop and um Judy sells my flowers from there as well so yeah um I, I think it's it's fantastic to be able to support local and now more than ever and definitely thinking about the people in in northern New South Wales and Queensland that have been affected yeah affected by the floods yeah yeah exactly so hard especially after only a few years ago well not too long ago you know 2011 it doesn't seem it only seems like yesterday really so yeah poor people yeah yeah um if anyone would like to get in touch with you how do they do that say there's a florist listening and they'd love to buy your flowers or somebody's having a wedding how yeah. do they how do they reach out? So um, definitely through Instagram, um, Collector Cottage, um, mm-hmm. and also through Facebook, um, or even just you know via my website, um, Collector Cottage, and yeah, and yeah, all my details are on there. Email, yeah, phone call or email. Yeah. And you have a beautiful cottage that you can stay in on the property too, don't you? Yeah, yeah. So we have yeah. a, a a little cottage that um, sleeps two people, and yeah. Um, yeah, that's through Airbnb. But again, also through through our website, um, we've got the information there. And yeah, definitely, they people are allowed to walk around, um, and uh, we're pet friendly, and we just ask that they keep their little pet on a lead. We have yeah, ro- yeah. we've got roaming chickens, yeah. But, yeah, yeah. Well, welcome to have a look at the flowers and, you know, give their stay. Ah, incredible. Well, thank you so much for chatting to me. It's been lovely to hear about your story and to hear about your gorgeous dahlias and your roses and how you got started. Thank you so much.
Thank you again, Rachel, for speaking to me. It was a lovely chat. And if you would like to get in touch with Rachel, you can find her on Instagram at Collective Cottage or you can look up their Airbnb. It sounds like a wonderful place to go and stay. So this week on the podcast, I have also coming up some stories um, from flower farmers and farmers who have been affected by the floods in New South Wales. These stories are pretty raw and emotional as these people have been through a lot in the last week. Um, The reason I want to share them with you is because I think it's great to hear from the people who are on the ground and so that they can have their voices heard and we who are outside can get an insight as to what's going on and we can also find out the best ways to help. So please stay tuned for those. They'll just sporadically be coming out as I interview people. So if you would like to be part of this, if you would like to share your story um, about how the floods have affected you and about how we can help, please do reach out. It's a very quick conversation and um, I understand that it's a pretty hard time. So yeah, um, it would be very brave of you to do so. Anyway, until then, I hope everyone is safe out there and everything is going well on your farms or in your florist shops or in your gardens. And until next time, keep being blooming fabulous.